If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. It's a courageous journey and one that sometimes is filled with a lot of grief because we have to not only lose the connections that we had to unhealthy patterns, we have to lose parts of ourselves that held on to those patterns. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast think about this. We all know that when a physical wound is left unhealed, it continues to cause pain and it can infect your whole body. But have you ever considered that when emotions or trauma is left unhealed, it can cause harm too? Like, have you ever thought about how wounds from unhealed emotions spread to other parts of our lives, potentially hurting our family, our friends, even our businesses? Eventually, this hurt can injure an entire lineage, which is the reason why some of us become estranged from our families, why some of us become people pleasers, why some of us find ourselves in codependent relationships, and so on. Healing this intergenerational trauma requires a holistic approach that has been so far absent from the field of psychology, that is, until now. Dr. Muriel Bouquet is a Columbia University trained trauma-informed psychologist, professor, and sound bath meditation healer. She has appeared as an expert on Good Morning America, Today, and in magazines like Allure, Self, Glamour, and many other outlets. Today, we're discussing how we can start breaking cycles through tangible therapeutic practices and learn how to pass down strength instead of pain to future generations. This is such a powerful conversation, and I truly believe that the work that Dr. Bouquet is doing is extremely valuable for all people in all walks of life. Listen in today to get some tips, tricks, and tools to come back home to yourself. Dr. Muriel Bouquet, welcome to the Gold Digger Podcast. 
Your sales software shouldn't be a bummer. When you step inside your CRM, you should feel equipped to do your best work. Like you're sitting in the pilot seat with easy to use, powerful controls. And that's the magic of HubSpot Sales Hub. The new Sales Hub is designed to help you win quarter over quarter and year over year. With an intuitive prospecting workspace and AI-powered tools that reduce your workload, managing leads is a lot less like manual labor. And closing deals, it's no big deal at all. Wrangle your day-to-day tasks on a seamless platform that makes navigating contacts, calls, and analytics easy. Get AI-powered tools like ChatSpot that are tailor-made to be personal assistants for your CRM. Simply prompt it to pull up a contact, sum up last week's sales, or research your competitors. By automating steps across the sales pipeline, you can take back your time and spend it on more impactful tasks. Close more deals and get on track for your best Q1 yet. Learn about HubSpot Sales Hub at HubSpot.com slash sales. That's HubSpot.com slash sales. I am so excited about today's guest. And I was just telling her, man, we should have had you on a few months ago. But I think there is no time better than today. So Dr. Muriel, welcome to the Gold Digger podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be just in conversation with you and to be talking about this because I tend to nerd out when we're talking about healing. (laughs) You are in the right place. So you do incredible and deep work. Like when I think about your work, I just think deep. Talk to me about how you started studying intergenerational trauma and what that has looked like, because you've been doing this for a very long time. So how did Mm -hmm. you get started? What piqued your interest about it? You know, the actual moment when I was like, oh, something needs to shift in my work, in my research, in my practice, in in everything, and even in my own like self-introspection and like self-discovery was when I was actually in what we call like clinic team meetings when I used to work in a hospital. And, you know, we would be having these conversations about some of our clients just to kind of like see like who has some ideas of what direction to take next and things like that. And the stories that we would tell about our clients all sounded the same. Mm. Like they were different people, right? Maybe from different countries, maybe different backgrounds, but the same stories kept coming up. And I kept thinking like, we're not naming what this is. Like, why is it that, you know, this woman has like these people pleasing qualities that are of such great disservice to her. But she also comes from a family line where perhaps like a parent of hers had those same qualities and they just, you know, modeled that to this client. And then a grandparent that also had those kinds of qualities or maybe even did things that made their daughter like, you know, people please. And so I'm like, you know what? Like, I just feel like if we're going to be helping a person to release like all of these layers, why aren't we digging into the layers? So the work really started from there. It was like just this point of curiosity, really wanting for people to feel like true healing. Some of the people that I actually got so fortunate to work with, but they had been a part of that clinic. And I used to work at a Columbia Medical Center and in the psychiatry clinic. And they had been a part of the clinic for well over 20 years. Wow. And I kept thinking, why are we here still 20 years later? Like, we're probably not getting to the root of what is continuing this process of 
depression and anxiety and we're just kind of mislabeling what's happening, maybe it's trauma that's at the root and it's trauma that's layered and we need to get to the root to actually help this person to no longer be this perpetual client. I love that you went deeper because I feel like there are so many people who are like, this is just how it is. This is the way it's always been. And the people that I feel most drawn to are the people that keep asking, well, why, 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 why? And I feel like you are one of those. You brought up the word trauma. Let's kind of break down generational trauma. Like what is that? How would you know if you have it? What are questions that listeners could be asking themselves as you and I navigate this conversation together? Yes. You know, intergenerational trauma is the only type of trauma that's actually passed down our family line. And it happens at the intersection of two modes of transmission. So it's by way of our psychology, which is basically like, you know, everything that tends to happen in our day to day lives and the ways in which maybe we may have been misattuned to a parent or the ways in which, you know, we probably got bullied in school or maybe we were in a turbulent relationship that had like toxic elements to it. It's in all of that, but it's also in our genetics and our biology. And that's where, you know, the distinctive mark of like intergenerational trauma from other types of traumas that maybe just happen to one person. What happens with intergenerational trauma is that we have, if we have a parent that they themselves lived in a state of chronic trauma, meaning they were in a traumatized state, they never really had the tools or access to actually dissolve some of those traumas and trauma responses in their lives. And so they just kind of lived out of survival mode for a long period of time. Their actual body starts to register, oh, we're in a traumatized body. We are in so like genes start to what we call like re-express. They start to register that this is the new normal. What happens at conception is that we actually pass down genes that have this messaging to our children. And so it becomes basically like an emotional vulnerability or maybe even predisposition to stress and trauma. And when we get all those other kind of psychological factors, if we have a parent that we can't really connect with, especially early on, and all those other things that happen, we can become the new legacy bearers of of trauma. How do we break the cycle? I mean, you have a book called Break the Cycle, but you know... One thing that's really interesting is so I recently started doing therapy and I don't know what took me so long, to be honest. And, you know, I think a lot of it is establishing, especially for people that have children, is like what cycles need to be broken and like what cycles can continue, what cycles are good. So when you're talking about this, it can kind of almost feel helpless of like, well, what if somebody passed something down to me and like, it's not mine to carry. How do we break this? What are your thoughts around that? Well, you know, that's a part of a reason, perhaps even the most compelling reason one might say, like why I decided to write the book, because I kept feeling like whenever we were talking about intergenerational trauma, we were talking about it as if it was a hard stop. And that's not the case. When we come from lineages where there's been pain, especially emotional pain that that has been translated into the emotional pain that's been passed down by multiple family members, yes, it can make us more tender. We do have potentially a bit more work to do on the emotional end of our lives. But that also means that we have opportunity. We have a chance to actually 
do things both on the psychology and the biological end that can actually help us to break the cycle, which is why I integrate the modality that I do, which is holistic psychotherapy into the actual book and into my work, because I want us to experience full healing. I want us to be able to feel integrated as a whole and be able to feel like we have the tools to actually on a daily basis, break those cycles and disrupt and welcome in new legacies. What would you say if somebody's listening and they're like, how would I even know if I have trauma like passed down to me? Where would you begin with that? I always go back to the body. Yeah. And the reason why I go to our bodies is because our bodies have this reservoir of memory. We have what we call body memory, which is situated primarily in our nervous system, but it is really in a lot of places in our bodies. And it is kind of what is also connected to triggers. Like if we smell, you know, maybe like a perfume that is familiar and was the same scent that we smelled like when, you know, right before we had, we got into a car accident and it just got cemented into our brains. Like that smell pairs with a tragic accident, right? And so like there is this retrieval that your body does that allows us to, to also like have an understanding of, okay, something happened. It didn't feel good. It made me feel like I needed to fight for my life. And we can utilize that body memory to almost kind of take ourselves not only, not necessarily back to moments, but that we can have a better awareness of how our bodies are responding and then actually help our bodies to feel more at ease and more relaxed, which is why, you know, I, I always say like, let's go back to the body. Let's try and understand what happened here. And many times when we start talking about people's childhoods or their parents' childhoods and we start unearthing some of the layers, there is a little bit of a nonverbal shift that tends to happen, right? Where people start fidgeting a bit more. They look a little more uncomfortable. And so that's when we start Mm -hmm. digging into, okay, you know what? You don't look as comfortable as you did five minutes ago. Something's happening. Where do you feel it in your body? Mm-hmm. Usually people will say, well, I feel some tension in my neck. My stomach's a little bit in, in, you know, tied up in knots. There's something happening that's telling you, you know what? This era of my life, even though I had loving parents, I didn't feel all that safe. I didn't feel good in this. When you know my mother would scream because she had a really tough day at work, actually, I wondered if she was okay. And that, for my tiny little brain... My five-year-old brain was something that was really hard to comprehend and internalize and understand. And the way that I internalized that was that I believed that maybe I was the bad kid that was making her feel, you know, all kinds of ways rather than a more complex thinking, which is she had a bad day at work and she's displacing onto me. And so, you know, we we can start digging into the layers and and unpacking even wonderful experiences in our lives that maybe had an element that we hadn't really kind of touched on before, but has been buried deep within and sometimes can come up in in, inopportune times. And so I I always like to go back to the body because it, it is a source of great wisdom and allows us to really have a better understanding of how things and events and people impact us. I love that. And that is something that my therapist has been using a lot is we'll talk about something and then she'll say, where do you feel it in your body? And then she'll say, what is your earliest memory? It cannot even make sense of feeling that way. And it is crazy how connected 
things can be or how you can source out these different memories or woundedness or different things and pull them into your periphery and just have them like have an awareness around it, which I think is really beautiful. So if somebody is listening and they can maybe kind of sink into their body right now, and maybe even just this conversation is bringing things up for them. How do you kind of work through that? Like, is it just stuck in your body forever? Do you get rid of it? How do you retrain your body? Like, where do you go from there? Oh, I love this question. You know, the point is to actually retrain our bodies to work in our favor and not against us. That's mm. always the goal. And in part, right, it's about like looking at the moments when we're feeling discomfort and then pairing that with a relaxation response or a relaxation practice, right? So that we can actually feel the tension release from our bodies. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, just one of the ways in which we can actually like integrate, like, okay, health where health did not exist before. However, you know, for most of us, it's going to be like actually more critical for us to integrate holistic healing into our day-to-day lives in a more proactive way, because a lot of healing tends to be very reactionary. It's I'm hurt. I go get help for the, the hurt that I'm experiencing. What we noticed during especially the COVID-19 pandemic was that a lot of people were wounded and were hyper busy and not attuned to the wounding that was deep within. And then when they were confined to a home or to an empty space and they had to confront themselves, they were like, oh my goodness, I don't even know what to do with myself right now. And that opened up a can of worms for a lot of people and in comes a global mental health crisis, right? And so, you know, it's going to be really critical for us to also be proactive about our health in a, a holistic way, right? Like, you know, we have a ton of signs around the benefits of meditation, not just for the sake of ease in your mind and body, but also the fact that your actual brain starts to form new neural connections. Like it actually starts to almost kind of like build upon itself in a healthy way. And very often what tends to happen when people experience trauma or when they experience something as debilitating and longstanding as depression, anxiety, right? Or longstanding stress is that they feel like they don't hold a lot of power in reference to their own mental health. Mm. But when you can see the little things that you're able to do on a daily basis, like five minutes of breath work or a five minute meditation, something that can start that rewiring process, it can really help empower you to say, you know what, I've got something that is tangible, accessible at all times, like the breath that I can use to help me be better, not just now, but in the long term, because I'm building health promoting neural networks and I'm building a nervous system that is actually more regulated and can help me be a better mom, be more attuned, be more mindful, be a better partner because I have a more settled nervous system. When my partner asked me something that would have actually rattled me on any other given day, right? Like I can be a better daughter because like I can listen to the things that my parents would have said that maybe would have been more triggering. But now I'm like, you know what? I can actually just let that roll off my shoulders because I I'm sitting with the information differently. There's so many benefits, but I I really do feel like we hold a lot more power than we give ourselves credit. 
gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. I think this is so powerful and I love to your emphasis on being proactive. One thing that I think is really interesting and maybe some of my listeners can relate is that I'm someone with ADHD. I've told myself for years, like, I'm just not someone who can meditate. And I believed that for so long, right? Like the thought to me of trying to be still and have no thoughts was so intimidating and impossible to understand. And until I recognized that it's not to not have thoughts, it's to have an awareness around your thoughts and to really just pay attention. I think that having an awareness really unlocks that next level of just being able to see when you're triggered or understand when you're feeling those feelings or come back to your body when you're feeling out of it. And so for anyone that's listening and they're like, yeah, good for you. I can't meditate. My brain's too busy. I've got too much. It's like, but can you bring just a different level of awareness? Would you agree with that? Or I could be totally off base here. 
No, you're like right on. And I, you know, even in my book, I say there are all of these different types of meditations. Yeah. You can do a walking meditation, you can do yoga, you can do, you know, an, a mindfulness coloring, right? Like all yes. kinds. And, you know, I, I myself, I'm a therapist that's been meditating since 2007, right? However many years that is. And I started off with 60 seconds a day because that's all that my brain could actually hold at once. And I was all over the place. And I continue to, the amount of meditation that I do that's a simple sitting meditation and just attending to the silence in the room Mm -hmm. is about 5% of what I do maybe throughout the entire year. The rest of it, because my mind is a busy mind and I myself struggle with, you know, attentional difficulties of my own. I need movement. Mm -hmm. So for me, I have to engage with yoga, Tai Chi, and and really incorporate even dance. I like dance with my dogs, like in my living room, you know, in between meetings sometimes just to really kind of get my body moving, but also releasing the tension while also being mindful that I'm doing only one thing right now. And that one thing is helping me to do all these health promoting things that I really need for the longevity of my well-being. Yeah. One thing you referenced, and I think that it should be something that while people are setting their goals and intentions for the new year, creating their vision board is nervous system regulation. Talk to me about that and why that is so important, especially for ambitious, driven humans who are likely entrepreneurs, overwhelmed, busy, high cortisol level inducing jobs. Why would nervous system regulation be something that we should be focusing on this year? Yes. I'm going to tell you right now, it is all the more important for individuals that are high functioning and that their attention is in high demand. And a part of the reason is, is because there are so many benefits to being able to have a nervous system that you feel like you have, maybe like you're befriending and you're more in control of. And I'd like to start us off just by briefly kind of just taking us through the nervous system. I think that can be helpful because there's like, there's in essence, three branches of it, right? We have our threat alert system, which is fight or flight. And it's telling us, oh my goodness, there might be a threat and I must protect myself. So I have to fight this person who's like coming to me with whatever, or I have to flee, I have to avoid them. Then there's the dorsal vagal response, which is our emotional shutdown response, which is saying, you know, this stressor has been here for forever. I don't feel like I can fight it. I'm going to freeze and dissociate or I'm going to fawn and people please and just do whatever it is that this person needs for me because I need the threat to go away. It's just overwhelming. And then we have this ventral vagal response, which is our parasympathetic nervous system, which is basically our calming, restoring, soothing part of our nervous system that says, you know what? The threat is gone. You're okay. You can relax. You can release. You can rest. We can go, of course, we're, we're in essence like structured to go from the very first one, fight or flight, into that ventral vagal. Okay. You can rest. We're not supposed to be going too far into dorsal vagal. Oh my goodness. Emotional shutdown. And, and so what we can do for ourselves with these practices that I mentioned, the ones you mentioned as well, is that we can sit in that ventral vagal response more often. And I think that the most beautiful thing that that can offer us, especially if we do this on a continuous basis and offer ourselves kind of a restructuring of our own biology, is that it buys us time. 
And what I mean by that is that it buys us reaction time. Mm. So instead of there being like a microsecond between what someone says and what you respond that is driven by anxiety or, you know, just a response that's driven by some sort of an intense emotion, that's in essence, that's what a trigger is, right? You triggered me by what you said. I responded right away. Instead of that, we're buying two to three seconds of time. And that allows us to kind of like go into our minds and bring out our wisest self. We bring out our values and our response. We bring out how we want to actually connect with the person in front of us. There's so many benefits to those two to three seconds or so. This seems really minuscule, but it actually can be so life changing. And when we're in these corporate meetings or high powered meetings where We want to preserve the relationships that are there. We want to be able to make decisions that coincide not only with our highest selves and our core values, but also with the part of our minds that are structured to actually help us with higher level thinking, which is not going to be fully functional when we're in a survival mode, because that's the way that our body works. When we're in survival mode, part of our brains, part of our gut system, some of our organ systems actually mildly shut down to preserve energy. So that means that you're not going to be able to actually be as good of a critical thinker and a solution-focused leader in your work to the extent that you can be if you're constantly in that heavy stress response. But if you're in that ventral vagal I'm in a calmer place. I can reflect my values and all of that. It allows you an opportunity to buy that time and then respond from a place that at the end of the day, when you're going to sleep, you can say, I did well today. I'm proud. Oh, that is so powerful. And I I think too, I've been hearing more about nervous system work and just regulation and, and all of that among leaders. And I think it's a beautiful conversation, especially to be had especially for people who are in that go, go, go mode. One thing that you spoke about that I think is really powerful. And honestly, part of the reason why I wrote my book, How Are You Really? During the pandemic, when people were forced to face, am I who I said I was going to be when things slowed down? Because things didn't just slow down. They came to a halt. Is like how if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking to themselves, like, I am running away from honesty, whether it's honesty with generational trauma, whether it's honesty with I'm faking the enjoyment of my life, whether it is honesty with I'm in a relationship that needs to change. What is like the first step to invite someone to like slow down and like come back home to themselves and their truth so that they can start to kind of move forward? You know, I'm a big fan of us being able to write, right? Especially for us busy minds, right? The ones that have been conditioned to be like hyper busy, right? Like eight years in a doctoral program, I have a tough time turning that off. And I'm sure that that's the case for anybody, you know, who's listening, who has that kind of like drive. And, And so I am a big proponent of just utilizing the energy that wants to come out. Yeah for it to come out in a way that can actually be productive towards our healing and our healing journey, which means like writing down whatever comes to mind, right? That can be a way to deposit thoughts onto paper and allow the paper to then, you know, once we read back through it to tell us, okay, wow, these are the things that were happening in my 
head and that I was like really not attending to when all I was thinking about was that big project that I, you know, that kept me busy. So it's, it's an opportunity that we allow ourselves to just like really focus in on our minds and allow our minds to be the central part of our, our day for those five minutes or 10 minutes that we, we allow it to be. And I think that, you know, because we're in such a tech-driven world, it's something that I continue to practice, but I've gotten so, so good at it lately. And Mm. I'm kind of shocked at myself even because I'm a tech junkie and, you know, I'm also a millennial, right? So like, you know, tech is all around us. We love tech. And so that, that is what it is, you know, but I actually put my phone in places where I know I, I won't locate it right away when I'm doing a practice. Yeah. Because I re- and I put it on silent, right? Like I really want to attune. And part of the reason is because I read these studies. I've seen it in action. I've seen the change in myself, in my family, who's also integrated some of these practices into their day to day, even my elderly parents. Yeah. I've seen it, you know, in my nephew who's 16, who, you know, is somebody who grew up under that idea of like having a mindful moment in his day. Mm-hmm. And I see it in my clients. I see it all the time. I see people's lives just kind of like blossom and illuminate when they just take those five minutes. And I always tell people, you have 1,440 minutes in a day. You can take those five minutes just for you and apply it to like seeing where your mind goes and what your mind needs you to attend to in this very moment. I love this. And it's so interesting. I was speaking with one of my cousins who teaches elementary art. She was saying that kids these days like have trouble looking at like a blank piece of paper and being creative because they're always engaged, right? And that's like so sad to me. One thing that we started doing, and I think my listeners would love, and you might even love this, is there is this box. It's called ARO, A-R-O, and it has phone chargers in it. It's this beautiful white box with a bamboo top. We have it in our pantry and you plug your phone into it and it tracks how much time your phone is in the box and it gamifies your phone being in the box, just like social media gamifies likes and comments. So it creates a contest between my husband and I of who can have their phone in the box more. We sleep with our phone in the box. When we're with our kids, the phone is in the box. And I just like love that. Yeah, it's like you're you're seeing life through a totally different lens. You're way less distracted. You're way more engaged, whether that's with children or your spouse or yourself. So I love that. I think that there are so many different ways that we can invite that in a little bit more. And maybe that's something that people can really focus on in this new year of what does that look like? And what do you fill that time with? One of the things I love about that box is that when you take your phone out, it'll say like, congratulations, you just got back 33 minutes of your life. What did you do? And you get to track what you did. And so it could be like, I went on a walk. I was with my kids. I read a book. And it kind of will categorize what you're doing on your time outside of your phone. This is not sponsored by any means. It's a very small business. But I just love it because it's been really fun for us. We use it every single day. It's been really transformative for us. It sounds incredible. And it sounds like they have a new customer in me because that's exactly yes. what my family and I need. And I, I love the fact that it offers that positive reinforcement. And, you know, I actually, as a way to kind of like help my nephew create a little bit of distance just for a day, like with his phone, I took his phone, you know, I consented with him. I'm taking your phone. I'm just like, you know, I'll give it back. And when I gave him back his phone, I was like, how was it being without your phone? And he said, actually, I realized that the trees had turned green. Hmm. 
And the birds were chirping now. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> it was so beautiful. And I was like, that's amazing. That's the mindfulness that I, I know you can get into. I love this for you. And yeah. like, you know, maybe yeah, he took a stroll. Uh, there's a little park in front of the house. It took a stroll through the park and just like started observing these. Yeah. And this is a 16 year old, you know, like someone who is digitized from birth. Yeah. And it's just so beautiful to be able to see that disconnect that is so important for social connection. One thing that I love that you talk about is this multi-generational approach. So, right, we can see it in our children or our nieces or nephews. We can also see it with our parents. And when you think about breaking down generations worth of trauma or trying to break some of those cycles for our own children, where would a listener begin if that is something where they recognize like, hey, there are certain things I don't want to pass down, whether it's a belief or a pattern? Where do you start with that? I would start with opposites, right? I mean, like, of course, like, you know, I offer as many of the practices and strategies that have been offered to me yeah. in the years of like, you know, therapizing folks. And also I drew from a couple of people and even in my family who are, who are direct parents and so there's there's a number of things that are kind of general go-tos that in society we kind of missed the mark on doing back in the day, right? Like apologizing to children, for example, right? Yep. Not something that we would have necessarily considered maybe in generations past, but it's so critical yeah. to the relationship that a parent can have with their child. And it's also critical in the relationship a child can then have with themselves. And, you know, but, but usually parents are like, you know, there's so much and I don't really know where to start. And I always say, go back to your childhood. Just think about it for a second. Yeah. And think about the thing that you were like, this does not feel good to me. I don't like this. I don't like the way I feel. I feel, you know, a sense of shame. This, you know, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit well with my soul. This isn't good. And do the opposite. Yeah. Whatever that opposite might be, right? Like maybe it was that, yeah, you had the parent that was the yeller, right? And you felt like, anything could happen in those moments. And that sense of perpetual fear and terror was something that you didn't want to pass on to your child. Then maybe some of those nervous system practices that can help you like gain those two to three seconds might be for you. Yeah. They might be helpful in helping you to gain the number of seconds that you'll need to not be reactionary in a way that actually can Maybe like, you know, cause your child to have a similar emotional experience to what you had growing up. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mm, I love the opposites. I feel like 
you know, it's so interesting as a parent, there are certain things that my parents did where I'm like, that was amazing. I am 1000% doing it. And then there are certain things where I'm like, eh, we're going to go the opposite direction on that. So I feel like that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think too, again, it requires the listener to be introspective and to spend a little bit of time with themselves and their own experiences before just copying and pasting someone else's method or idea onto it. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. It's all, always about individualizing the work itself. Yeah. Um, and that's why I always offer a lot of prompts, like, you know, and, and helping a person to really kind of go deeper in and do the digging work into their own life and then applying a concept to their life because our lives are so different, right? And and my parents are very unlike anybody else's parents. And so yeah. I, my methodology and the ways that I need to apply the work will be different than the ways that, you know, someone else might. What are some recommendations you have for people to kind of start to face maybe some of the trauma they've experienced or to begin a healing journey, to let this year be a year where they start doing some of that deeper work? Where do they begin? Well, I mean, I think that if a person is already considering that, it's already a beautiful start yeah. because it's it's already a very courageous decision to say, you know what, I'm going to break the cycle. That's really hard. Like just full stop right there, right? Like so many people, you know, they like go directly from that decision yeah. right into the work. And like, to be honest, like we have to sit with that. Yeah. We have to say, wow, like, you know, I may be the person that people might look at and maybe like, you know, have some to say about, you know, because all of a sudden I'm showing up differently to, to family gatherings, right? Like I'm no longer engaging in certain conversations and I've held up, you know, my, my barriers around what I want to engage in. And so it's a courageous journey and one that sometimes is filled with a lot of grief because we have to not only lose the connections that we had to unhealthy patterns, we have to lose parts of ourselves that held on to those patterns. We have to literally step into a new version of ourselves. And that's a, a process of loss, which requires grief. So what I would say, you know, is one, just sit with that and, you know, maybe like sit with the pride of like, I decided to do this. Like, that's wonderful. Secondly, and perhaps more importantly than anything along the journey is to start not with who hurt me, what they do, who did what, who didn't do something. The digging work is actually the middle part of the work. It's not the work itself. The work itself is the actual, how can I live in a body that I don't feel I need to escape? Mm. How can I live in a body that I don't feel like I need to like over busy so that I can feel alive? And it's, that's the work. So it's doing more of that, creating almost kind of a lifestyle of taking care of yourself so that you can then do the digging work and you don't feel like the digging work is intolerable. When we start building out your intergenerational trauma tree and see where the leaves fall and like who, you know, suffered what and what kind of trauma responses that they have, all of that feels heavy. So it's going to be really important to first settle. So that's why I always like always say we start with the body, we go back to the body. And when, for those of us who are really busy, when it feels like too daunting of a task, I always say, well, you know what? It probably takes you about three minutes to walk from that boardroom to your office. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if that's three minutes of deep breathing that you have carved into your day. So while you walk, you can deep breathe, right? You know, when you 
perhaps you brought some food from home and you have to like heat up your food in the, the office microwave. And if that's the case, then that's about two minutes where you can actually do a bit of mindfulness or, you know, just like go somewhere and just like sit in your thoughts for a moment. I mean, there's just so many tiny opportunities that are there. I used to take the train to work and in New York City, when I took the train to work, I would actually like put in binaural beats and sulfidial sounds at certain frequencies, you know, into my headphones and, and just vibe, right? And just allow myself to feel the calm of the sounds. There's a lot of moments where we can really just integrate healing into our day. And it doesn't have to feel like that added task that we have to do at the end of the day to make sure that we're okay. But it's just a a way of being. Mm, I love that. I have been obsessed with like healing frequency music. It is literally all we listen to. Not only does it help calm my busy brain, but I feel like it changes the atmosphere of our house. Like Drew will laugh and he'll be like, are you trying to put us all to sleep? And I'm like, no, babe, that's your nervous system calming down. Like, but I like, I mean, like that is literally what we listen to. And recently I got a massage and I asked the massage therapist, I was like, can I just keep my headphones in? Cause I listen to specific music that helps me to relax. And like that changed the experience. Cause I was just so used to that music that it like helped me relax instead of being like, what lotion are they using? Does their stool have three (laughs) legs or two legs, like all these like weird places my brain goes. So I feel like even if somebody's listening today and the only thing you do is go onto Spotify or wherever you get your music and just put on some healing frequency music, notice how your body responds to it. I think it's really powerful. It is. It is. And people, you know, if people want to also do it, like maybe while they go to sleep, I think that there's there's a notable difference in how soundly you're able to sleep when these frequencies are actually playing in the background. I mean, there's so many ways you can actually play with your healing in a way that, you know, not a lot of things can really go wrong in this space. Right. Like it's most of it is just helping you to feel like gentler inside of your own mind and body. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's an opportunity to get really curious as to where your body and mind can go. For some of us, we'll probably be like, I can't believe that I can actually be this calm. Like this yes. is not anything that I would have ever imagined yes. for because I'm so type A and, you know, like that's just not my flow and my personality. But in reality, you know, some of us, you know, who who have a type A quality, some of that is just matched with, you know, other things like perfectionism and other things that are, are more, you know, uh, undercurrents of anxiety that can be really helped with some of these practices. And, and you can still be somebody who aims and strives for greatness yeah. while being, you know, feeling calmer inside of, of your mind on a day-to-day basis. Mm, my two words of the year this year are peace and ease and uh. just bringing that into the work. And I love that. One thing I'm curious about, and this is just something I've always wanted to ask a therapist is like, you seem like you have it all figured out and all together. Do you ever <laughs> therapize yourself? Like what are you learning or leaning into in the new year? Yes, all the time. And I actually am trying to work on a life where I can unplug more. I want to bake my focaccia bread and not buy it. I want to be able to, you know, like grow my own rosemary and, you know, have a huge rosemary bush and things that really connect me back to just the very simple things in life. And I'm you know, 
I, in my mind, I want to do it and I always kind of find the busy, mm. but 2024 is definitely the year where I am going to welcome in a very, very like wholehearted, slowing down, getting back into nature, getting back into the things that truly matter, all those little miracles that, you know, kind of life has and throws at us, like this beautiful moon that we have and the sunsets that we get every day. And just like really dive into those things that feed the soul and are mostly free. Mm, Beautiful. Where can everybody find out more about you, connect with you, get your book, listen to your podcast, give us all of the places. Yes. So I am at drmarielbouquet.com. I'm mostly on LinkedIn these days, Dr. Mariel Bouquet there. And then my book is wherever books are sold, Break the Cycle is there. Thank you. And your podcast. My podcast is also called Break the Cycle. And actually in this season, um, I'm bringing in my parents, my sister, and my nephew to have conversations with me. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was such an amazing treat. Thank you so much for having me. As someone who has recently started doing therapy on a consistent basis, I just feel so aligned with Dr. Muriel Bouquet and her work just feel like it's so powerful. And for me, motherhood was really the huge trigger of like, I want to do the work so that I understand that what I'm passing on to my children is what I want to be passing on to my children. I love today's episode because I think that no matter where you are, whether you have kids or not, there is trauma that you are likely carrying that is not yours to carry. And when we start to face that and ask the bigger questions and come back home to our own truths and do that inner work, it not only buys us that reactionary time that Dr. Muriel spoke about, but it also helps us heal those around us. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. I hope you loved this show and I hope you welcome in some healing into the new year. Until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top notch. Article's online only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. 
Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.